Hello and welcome to Peach Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. My name is Kyle Hayes and I am your host. And joining the podcast today is Maggie Lee, a freelance reporter who is working with Georgia Recorder to cover the legislature in 2020. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Well, thanks for having me. So we're here today to talk about the budget hearings that happened last week. And as is customary, lawmakers spent most of this week in hearings going over the governor's budget proposal as they prepare to find 4% cuts in the amended fiscal year 2020 budget, also known as the little budget, and 6% cuts in the full fiscal year 2021 budget. The governor traditionally kicks off these hearings. What was his message to the legislature about his budget proposal? Um, so Governor Kemp, even while he was campaigning, one of his one of his things that he said over and over is that there are efficiencies to be found in government. And um, that was sort of his his headline takeaway when he addressed state lawmakers um, at the beginning of budget hearings. He his quote was the budget before you shows that reducing costs doesn't require drastic cuts to other agency activities. And then what he went on to highlight in his speech were things that, you know, he said didn't impair the operations of agencies, but just kind of clean things up on the administrative side, like um, new software that, you know, enabled state agencies to uh, do timekeeping better or agencies in some places giving up real estate that they don't use all that much and switching to virtual offices. So, you know, he presented this as not impairing the core functions of Georgia government, but maybe, you know, cleaning up some some unnecessary costs on the administrative side. Now, during the fall, the governor's office argued that one reason for the cuts was to be prepared in the event of an economic downturn. And the state's economist also spoke on the first day of budget hearings. What was his assessment for the outlook on the state's economy? And how has that changed since his assessment last year? Right. So the state economist is is this guy named Dr. Jeffrey Dorfman, and he's an agricultural economist at at, uh, the University of Georgia. And as state economist, that means he's one of Governor Kemp's like um, top advisors. So um, Dorfman offered some pretty good news. He said Georgia's unlikely to fall into a recession, which is commonly understood as six months of a shrinking economy. And he said that employment is so high that it's difficult for it to go any higher and it's that was pretty similar to his message from last year he you know he wasn't predicting a downturn at the time employment was a little lower the employment rate was a little bit lower than than it is now but you know basically for two years running he said you know things are our economy in the state of georgia is, is pretty good here so let's dive into some of the areas of the budget here One part of the governor's budget proposal to get some public scrutiny this week was spending in the area of criminal justice. Can you give us an overview of changes in the criminal justice budget? And does it represent, in your view, sort of a shifting of priorities or a reaction to the mandate for cuts, or maybe a little bit of both? So the state prison system, the prison system for adults, is is being asked to trim, you know, something around $100 million dollars less than um, what was in its original draft budget for this fiscal year. So basically, you know, there's some pretty serious cuts at at the Department of um, Corrections, but the Corrections Commissioner, you know, presented a a pretty rosy picture. He also talked about administrative efficiencies, better timekeeping software. Agency heads don't usually come down to the state capitol and, and, 
criticize, you know, what the governor proposed for their budgets because they do work for the governor. So, you know, you can expect agency heads to generally come in and say, no, this this governor's budget is great. So the uh, De- Department of Corrections budget is, is set to be cut. And another happy commissioner was um, Tyrone Oliver, who oversees juvenile justice. His budget is going to be about $19 million smaller than, you know, a first draft from this time last year. He's writing off about 150 unfilled jobs at juvenile detention centers. But he also said that won't operate. It won't affect his operations because his population keeps declining. His detention centers, his his youth detention centers are about 50 to 65 percent full, depending on what kind they are. And this is tied to a bunch of changes during the last administration that that together are called criminal justice reform, where they were covered, carried by Governor um, Governor Deal. And, um, you know, his point was to preserve prison beds only for the most dangerous people, the people we're scared of, and then woo other people, you know, more toward the straight and narrow with things like programs in the community, drug treatment, um, court supervision. And that's that's happening on the juvenile side. The, the um, juvenile incarcerated population is declining. And so the commissioner is saying, well, you know, these jobs were unfilled and, and I don't need to fill them. But there were some other people who spoke who had some criticism, though, like Georgia Supreme Court Justice Harold Melton cautioned against cutting accountability courts. And those are some of those alternatives to prison. Um, that's where like a court kind of it supervises you very carefully. They may even come to your house. You have to come to court a lot. And um, you sort of a relationship is kind of built between the court and the offender who's going through treatment or maybe training or something like that. And um, Harold Melton said, you know, this proposed cut of $3.5 million to accountability courts, Harold Melton said, you may be directing people to more expensive and less efficient alternatives. You know, the Public Defenders Council is is going to face some cuts too, and uh, the executive director there, Jiminique Rogers, she had some doubts. You know, she, she was asked outright by a legislator if her office could handle those cuts on top of a heavy caseload. Could she guarantee that, you know, de- defendants' constitutional rights would be protected? And she said, to be honest, I cannot guarantee that. So, you know, there's definitely some worries about some of the criminal justice cuts, but not others. Let's go to another area where there were some worries. Your colleague Jill Nolan reported on a hearing Thursday where Judy Fitzgerald the Commissioner of the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, or DBHDD. She described the impact of the cuts on that agency. How much is being cut from DBHDD, and what impact did the commissioner say that would have? DBHDD is supposed to find a total of about $80 million in savings over this current fiscal year and the one that's about to start. And Judy Fitzgerald, the DBHDD commissioner, she was using words like painful and life-robbing to describe the effect of these cuts. So DBHDD, they fund things like crisis intervention services. Um, you know, here's an example. Say you get arrested for doing something, yes, that's illegal, but at the root of it is, is a mental health issue, like, you know... If someone maybe is is threatening suicide, you know, they're standing on a bridge or threatening suicide or or even just, you know, somebody who's standing on a street corner and yelling, you know, you're not supposed to do those things. But locking people up 
in jail for a little while is definitely not going to fix the problem. And, you know, that's just one small example of DBH, what DBHDD does, but that's why the programs they fund, you know, are literally a life and death situation for some people. So, you know, you may, you don't need to go to jail for a night. If you're suicidal, you probably need some kind of like psychiatric intervention immediately. Um, so she's saying if she has to cut those kind of services, you know, people may die. Similarly, there are cuts on the table for the healthcare workforce in rural Georgia. Lawmakers, particularly those who have been involved with the House Rural Development Council, appear aware of the significant challenges for sustainable health systems in rural Georgia. What kinds of cuts were proposed in this area, and how did lawmakers react? Right. So the the figures in this area are, are not going to be huge. You know, you're talking about maybe a million dollars here, you know, $600,000 there. But what the issue is, it's something that legislators have been looking at for years and years and years and working on for years and years and years. There's a shortage of doctors in rural Georgia. There's a handful of counties that don't even have a doctor at all much less do they have specialists like an OBGYN or a psychiatrist. So Georgia lawmakers have been looking for all these ways to try and get more physicians to practice in rural Georgia. And they have things like um, helping um, the Mercer School of Medicine. They have things like loan repayment funding um, for nurses who work in rural Georgia. And, And there's, you know, some trims proposed to all these programs and rural lawmakers, you know, question that. They're like, look, we've been, this is a clear problem. This has been a clear priority for years. Why, why should this be cut? And, and again, the executive director of the board of, of the healthcare workforce, the woman who was giving the presentation, you know, she, she said, well, you know, we can still do this. We can still do this. But legislators, there was some worry that less funding might be going into this area. Hanging over all of this is the status of the film tax credit, a program that amounted to $915 million in tax credits in 2017. You wrote about audits that were critical of the program and possibly opened up a window for trimming it back. What's your assessment of how those tax credits will play in this budget debate? Have you gotten a sense from lawmakers that calls to cut the budget make trimming back the film tax credit more likely? Um. I, I have heard very few questions about the film tax credit from legislators. Like there is nobody who is grabbing those audits and waving them around and saying, we need to do this. Now, a lot of people are saying, a lot of legislators are saying, you know, the film tax credits are, are a good idea because, you know, they, they bring the film industry to the state and that employs Georgians. You know, maybe we could do some adjustments to it, trim around the edges, but so far, I have yet to see, you know, much of anybody show that much interest in these audits. I mean, you know, the exception would be would be Lindsey Tippins, the the state legislator from um, he's a state legislator from Marietta who is who has talked about, you know, maybe there needs to be some changes to these programs. But there's not a lot of proactive interest among legislators that I've seen to to change or trim or cap these film tax credits in any way. This is the first legislative session since the aftermath of the Great Recession when significant budget cuts were being ordered by the governor. During the fall, there had been some brewing tension between lawmakers and the governor over these cuts. What was the mood like in the committee room this week? Did you see any signs of that tension between lawmakers and the governor from the fall? I mean, I, I, tension isn't the right word. I would, you know, I would say 
a lot of lawmakers are asking why, why, why. And, you know, there could be answers that satisfy them presented um, as budget hearings continue. You know, we'll, there'll, there'll be more budget hearings in smaller groups in greater detail in the coming weeks. So, you know, I, I think a lot of legislators are, are looking for more detailed answers to their questions about why certain cuts are proposed. Anything else to add on the outlook for the budget debate? Any priorities like the governor's priority of teacher raises or the speaker's backing of an income tax cut that will be more difficult when thrown into this conversation about budget cuts? I mean, I think it would be an awkward year for like any industries maybe to show up and ask for uh, some sort of, you know, tax abatement or special treatment. It might be an awkward year for legislators to show up and ask for funding for local projects. Um, But we'll see. We certainly will see. We're looking forward to hearing from Georgia Recorder throughout this session. Any other stories from y'all this week that our listeners should look out for? Well, we got, uh, gosh, what have we got? We got a lot of things. We've got a story about an interfaith coalition that's advocating for criminal justice reform, uh, working on a story about voting machines, working on a story about ankle monitors and sex offenders, working on, um, you know, anything else that comes out of the budget. But it's the time of year that, you know, you have all these things on your schedule, on your calendar, but if something happens and you got to run after it, the schedule goes out the window. All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing those stories. And for our listeners, you'll find those stories linked in our show notes when they're published. Maggie Lee is a freelance reporter working with Georgia Recorder to cover the 2020 legislative session. Maggie, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. That's our show for today. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Peach Pod. Thanks as always to our fantastic interns, Olivia Bauer, Peyton Childers, and Kelly Dobso for their help researching this episode. Until next time, take care, y'all.